Okay, so I'm not trying to sell you a Ram truck. That's, that's not my goal. But I found it kind of interesting. They played that at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And why? I mean, what percentage of the population is actually farmers? How many trucks are they looking to sell? And honestly, I think that part of why it works is because there is a little bit of farmer in all of us. So I'm going to go through this sermon and kind of explain why we are farmers. Now, on the eighth day, did God make a farmer? Is that biblical? Well, I don't think that's exactly uh, how it's presented in Genesis. But there is something to be said about this. Um, actually, before I get started, I would like to note that I'm going to jump through a lot of verses today, and my goal is not to take anything out of context. So I highly recommend you go back through and catch, read the full chapters, read the full books, spend some time in the Bible, because I'm not taking everything in the full chapters. I'm going to take enough time as it is, but I'm supposed to keep this under three hours, so I don't want to include full chapters. So, Genesis 2, starting at verse 15. The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it, or and take care of it. Well, that sounds like farming, doesn't it? This is before sin. This is before, before anything. Man was given a job. Man was given the job to take care of the land. And Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree of the garden, in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, eat from it, you will certainly die. So, kind of got this cushy job of farming. I mean, you're taking care of the Garden of Eden. How hard can it be? And then immediately spelled out, okay, don't do this. If you've ever dealt with farmers, they'll tell you, like, you're about to do something stupid. Don't do it. And sometimes we do it anyways. This just made life a whole lot harder once they broke God's command, once you didn't listen to the master and listen to what he said. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So starts off, and you have to take care of the land, take care of the garden, followed by, hey, you're, now you're dealing with animals, right? Take care of the animals. And this continues to say that none of the animals were suitable helpers, which is how farming works, right? None of the animals are actually going to do what you want them to. Nothing ever works like it's supposed to. Some of you have been on farms enough to know that that's how it works. I've been beat up and drug around by enough animals to know that they really aren't suitable helpers. So God made woman who was the suitable helper, was the helper for man that he needed. Okay, so continuing through the Old Testament, there's a lot of examples, but Abraham, he was a shepherd, he was a farmer, took care of animals. Isaac, Jacob, Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep when he came across the burning bush and God spoke to him. David, David was a shepherd. He wasn't the brother that was sent to war. He wasn't the warrior. He wasn't the big one. He was a shepherd. God is chose repeatedly people who were farmers. 
Now, I could have given a lot of examples of God choosing people who weren't farmers, but that doesn't fit in my message. So, <laughs> I'm not trying to take things out of context, but there are examples where God chose farmers, God chose shepherds, God chose people who worked with the animals, which was the initial commandment for Adam, for the first man. Now, if we jump ahead to the New Testament, this is going to be carried through multiple slides, and I want, I'm going to do this several times, where it's a complete passage, and it'll be continued, but I'm going to pause in the middle. So I don't want to lose the continuity, because I think God put things in the Bible the way they are for a reason. So, in John 10, 1 through 18, very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are the thieves and robbers, but the sheep will not listen, have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Hey, Jesus was a farmer. He came to take care of his sheep. He is the one that the one way, the one way to salvation, the one way into to God. He is the gate. This is our only way to to spend time with the Father. And the sheep will only follow him. He's a shepherd. His sheep know, hear, know his voice. So we'll continue this verse. You're going to sick of hearing my voice, but that's life. And my wife gets sick of hearing my voice, and she continues to listen. Well, wait, never mind, that's not a good example. <laughs> okay, sorry, I shouldn't pick on my wife. <laughs> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They, too, will listen to my voice, and there shall be one, sorry. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my own. On, oh, sorry, I'm struggling with reading today. Just bear with me. I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Okay, so there's a lot of things packed in here. It's amazing how much is packed into the Bible, into a single chapter, a single verse, a single anything. So he said twice, I am the good shepherd. Those of you who have dealt with animals, it, sheep are not smart. Sheep are not kind animals. They, the fact that Jesus is leading us is a sign that we're in good shape because otherwise we aren't on our own. Sheep, us as sheep, we can't do this on our own. He is the good shepherd. And logically, does it make sense for a shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep? If I've got a sheep and something's going to attack it, would I lay my, down my life for it? No, I'll get another sheep. It's pretty, pretty easy to replace those. Is that what Jesus chose to do for us? He says, no, he laid down his life. He made the choice. This was up to him. He laid down his life for his sheep. He viewed us as being special enough, as being valuable enough to die for us. I have a hard time with animals. I grew up on a little farm, and my sisters say that I don't like animals, and I say that I like smart animals. <laughs> Let me know if you ever find any. Okay, am I going to lay down my life for an animal that is too dumb to take care of itself? Well, did Christ? I was too dumb to take care of myself. God gave me commands, and I broke them. Do I continue to break them? Yeah, sometimes. I'm a sinner. Christ found me valuable enough to lay down his life for me, even though I wasn't a good sheep. I wasn't very smart. I'm not very smart still. I make mistakes. He is the good shepherd. This is still the continuation of the verse that says that he's a shepherd. His sheep will hear his voice and will know his voice and will follow him. He laid down his life for these sheep, for us. Do we hear his voice and do we follow him? No. I'm going to skip ahead. That was John 10. So to John 21, 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I've been there before. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. They said, he said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire, burning, fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. 
Does that sound like someone bragging? <laughs> Couldn't just say I had a net full of fish. It was, it was, there's lots of fish here. No, there was 153, and they were large. Just, just have to put that out there. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. I'm going to pause there for a second. So at this point, Jesus died. They saw him die. Okay, they saw him put into a tomb. He's standing on the shore, and the disciple whom Jesus loved says, hey, that's the Lord. Now, Peter jumps in the water and goes up there. If you saw somebody die, would you jump in the water to go up and like, hey, that, that's the guy I just saw die. Let me go and... No, Jesus was a shepherd. His sheep recognized him. His disciples recognized him. Okay, even though he was dead, they, they knew it was him. They followed him. They didn't need to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was Jesus. His sheep will recognize his voice and will follow him. And they did, right through the water. Come wait for the boat to get to shore. My kids do that to me sometimes. And I think, why are you getting wet again? This is why I don't like fishing, because you're getting wet again. This time, I think it's okay to get wet, because they missed their master. They missed Jesus. They had followed him day after day. They watched him die. You find out that it's him. You're not willing to wait for the boat to get to shore. You're not going to drag in this net full of fish. You are going to go and join Jesus. You are going to be there. You heard his voice. You're going to go meet your master. Is that where my relationship with Christ is? Am I following him so closely? Do I recognize his voice? where when he talks to me, I'm head first into the water. I don't know if I'm there. Do we hear his voice? Do we recognize his voice? When he's on shore 100 yards away, giving us fishing advice, do we say, hey, that's the Lord. Okay. Point is, these disciples that walked with him, they recognized his voice. They knew their master, and they, they went for it. Okay, still continuing the same passage. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So he died. He came back. You rushed to meet him, and he says, do you love me? Well, if you do, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So, one of two things is happening here. Jesus got a flock of sheep somewhere in the Bible, and it didn't really stress about it. 
but he really liked those lambs, and he wanted his sheep to be fed and taken care of. Or, we are the flock of sheep that Jesus died and gave his life for, and he cares about us enough that he's going to repeat this command three times. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. We are important enough that it's not worth like, oh yeah, by the way, would you mind feeding them and taking care of them every once in a while? No, he died for us. He gave his life for us. The command is, take care of them. I'm going to say this three times. If I say this three times, you better listen. Take care of them. I'm giving you this order. Do it. Okay, and I'm not just telling you to do it. I'm tying this to, if you love me, this is what's important to me. Okay, if you truly love me, do this for me. Take care of them for me. Because this is what I value enough that I'm tying it to your love for me. If you really care about me, do this for me. Take care of the sheep that I died for. Take care of the lambs that I died for. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So, this ends with follow me. He's still the good shepherd, right? We are leading a sheep, we're taking care of a sheep, but we are still following him. Okay, he is, he is the shepherd. We are taking care of a sheep for him. Okay, we can't die. I can't die for you guys. I'm sorry, I have sins. I'm not perfect. I try to tell people I am, but nobody believes me anyways. Christ is the good shepherd. We need to follow him, and we need to lead others while we are following Christ. That's the only way we can lead people truly, lead, other, lead his sheep that he just commanded us to take care of, is by following him. So, kind of the driving question is, do you take care of Jesus' sheep? If he said this three times, he commanded this three times, how are we doing? Just kind of a self-assessment. Am I a good farmer here? Am I doing what I'm told? Am I taking care of the sheep? Okay, so in Acts. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, This is not for you to know the times or the dates or... The Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this is, Christ has died, he's risen from the dead, he's seen his disciples multiple times, this is his final thing before he rises up into heaven. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, spread my word. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This was the last thing he said before he went up to heaven. Kind of important to end on with what's important, right? Like, I mean, just before he goes, like, oh yeah, you need to make sure you do this. Like, this is the last thing I'm going to tell you to do. Do it well. Are there lost sheep? in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
So, that's one of my, my words is so. I, my wife informed me that I use it a lot. But it's great to have a wife that takes care of me. It reminds me when I'm doing things like that. So, in Jerusalem, so? Okay, in Jerusalem, you're talking about your friends. In Judea, these are your neighbors. These are people close to you. Jerusalem, Judea. Okay, these were the first places that we were supposed to be spreading the message. So that's like your friends. Are your friends lost sheep? So Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news to the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's telling us to farm again. So Jesus is going around locally, and he's seeing these people, and he feels compassion for them. He sees them as lost sheep. These aren't like the people, these aren't your enemies, these aren't the people in Samaria. Jesus spent time in Samaria, but these are people close, and he had compassion. He said, there's a lot of people here who need me. There's a, the harvest is plentiful. There's people right here. You need to go out and deal with this. You need to help them. You need to bring them to me. This is your friends. How many of your friends, people right here with you, people you interact with every day, you see them at work, you see them as a friend, do you see them as a lost sheep? We know that your consequence for not knowing Christ, he is the gateway. He is the only way to the Father. These people that are our friends, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. These people right in Jerusalem, right around Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were lost. You can be rich, you can, be, you can have everything. If you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell. A lot of times it's awkward to talk to your friends. But this is important. These are lost sheep, and the devil's going to tear them apart. We have to introduce them to the shepherd, otherwise our friends are going to hell. So in Jerusalem, in Judea, well, by the time you get to Samaria, they weren't really friends with the Jews. They didn't really have a good relationship. So are your enemies lost sheep? Well, they're my enemies, so does it really matter? Did Jesus die for just my friends? No, he died for everybody. He died for the people I don't like. Because probably to them, I'm the people that they don't like. <laughs> kind of important, right? So, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Matthew 5, 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you over your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
are there people that if you turn the other cheek, they're going to slap that one too? Yeah. This isn't a, oh, they'll feel bad for you and they won't hit you. No. There are lost sheep out there, and the lost sheep, they aren't very nice. Anybody who's worked on a farm knows that everything about farming isn't nice. You have that billy goat, and it hits you, and then you, you just turn your back, turn the other way, because it'll leave you alone. No, it won't. Animals are not nice. Lost sheep are not nice. People who don't know Christ, they're lost sheep. Are they going to strike your other cheek? Yeah, maybe. And a continuation of that says, You have heard it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may have children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? If you, only greet, sorry, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, a sheep... Without a shepherd. It's not going to be friendly. Okay, we as Christians are not always friendly. We're sheep. We've got our flaws. A sheep that hasn't been introduced to the shepherd, hasn't been around Christ, is not going to be friendly. Does Christ say only take care of those that are nice to you? Well, that last passage says no. We don't look for the pretty sheep. Christ died for all sheep. It rains on good and bad. He takes care of all people. He died for all people. He died for sheep that need a good shearing. Sometimes that sheep that needs a good shearing is me. Okay, he washed me white as snow. He took away my sins. Without him... I'm an ugly sheep. Did Christ only die for... You see like the, the picture of Jesus holding the pretty little lamb? How you end up with a pretty little lamb is you introduce the sheep to Christ. So, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, so even if there are enemies, then to the ends of the earth. So are you saving lost sheep worldwide? Are you doing what you're told to as a, as a farmer? God said, take care of my sheep. Do you say, take care of the sheep that are already here? Well, earlier we said that there's others that need to be brought into his pasture still, into his pen. There are others that need him. Well, they're on the far side of the world, and that's kind of hard work. I led with that video partially because farming is hard work. There's nothing that says life's going to be easy, everything's going to be perfect. Christ is there to wash us, to take care of us. He is going to make those sheep pretty. We need to bring them to him. We need to bring our friends to him. We need to bring our enemies to him. We need to introduce people we've never met to Christ. We talk about BGMC. That's one way that our kids and us can introduce lost sheep worldwide to Jesus. 
We can be a farmer of sheep we've never met. So, Matthew 18, 12 through 14. What do you think? If a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders off, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Does that include ones that are in Africa, in South America? What about places really bad, like Detroit? <laughs> He's not willing for one to perish. He left us with a command to take care of his sheep. Are we letting that happen? Are we letting lost sheep walk past us every day at work? Are we letting lost sheep walk past us because we don't like them? Are we letting lost people in the outer parts of the world go without ever meeting the shepherd, without ever being introduced to Christ, because they aren't part of our country. They aren't one of us. Well, one of us is people that Christ died for. They are one of us. doesn't matter who you are anywhere. Christ died for all of us. He is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for his sheep. All of us. Friends, enemies, worldwide. So, some advice, some, what are we supposed to do with this? To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing the dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrust who entrust to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We need to follow Christ. We need to listen to the elders, the people in the church. We need to learn. Okay, Christ washed us. We're part of his flock. We can learn from others in the flock. Okay, we are supposed to be good examples for others in the flock. If lost sheep are looking at us and we look like a lost sheep... Why would they want to be like us? If you can't tell the difference between a sheep that Christ has washed with his blood and one that hasn't, we're doing something wrong. He gave us the Bible. He gave us his word. He tells us what we're supposed to do with it. If we're not following this, then 
what appeal is there for a lost sheep? If you have an animal outside of the pen and one on the inside and they look the same, why would you ever want to give up your freedom and come into the pen? Inside the pen is where we're safe with Christ. We should look different because Christ takes care of us. We can cast our burdens onto him. He washed us. He cleansed us. He took care of us. We should look pretty appealing. We should look good. Do I always look good? No. Okay, am I always the perfect example? This is what a perfect white sheep looks like? No. Should I strive to be? Should that be my, one of my aims, one of my goals, is to look like Christ? Look perfect, because he made me perfect. He died to make me perfect. He died to save me. What am I going to do with that? Now, this part of the end kind of concerns me a little bit. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If I'm a sheep, or if i got to take care of sheep, a lion wouldn't really be my friend. Those things scare me. Like, you play with a cat with a piece of yarn, and those cats are crazy how fast they can jump, how fast they can move. Do I want a 400-pound cat going after me? I don't like the little ones. Why would I want a big one? So we are told to be steadfast, strong, firm. Okay, Christ will restore us to that. He will make us that. And I got a, just kind of a fun reference here. Talking about David. So Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from his flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from the mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. Your Lord who res the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. We're that kind of shepherd. We have God on our side. So the devil can prowl, prowl around like a roaring lion. With God on his side, David grabbed her by the hair and beat it to death. That's how we can handle the devil. Okay, Christ died for us. He gave us that power. He gave us that strength. He removed us from the jaws of this lion. He gave us the ability to help others do the same thing. We're watching out for his sheep. If God tells me to take care of his sheep, that lion doesn't have a chance. So what do we do with the lion? Well, we beat it. Do we beat it on our own? Can this little boy beat a lion on his own? Do you think that David just like, yeah, I'm just really good with cats. I'm really good with bears. Not a problem. <laughs> No, God's not going to ask us to do anything he doesn't give us the strength to do. He gives us the power to do this. He gives us the power to defeat that roaring lion that's prowling around trying to just devour Christ's sheep. Christ said, take care of our sheep, his sheep, and he gave us the power to do it. So, in the end, God made a farmer. God made you a farmer. Okay, 
I'm not saying you have to go out and combine right now. It's not that much fun, especially if you don't know how to run the equipment. But we're supposed to care for a sheep. He told us. He told us the harvest is plentiful. Go out and do it. So as a farmer, sometimes you run into things you don't know, things you haven't dealt with. We are a family. We are here. Christ gives us the ability to talk to each other. Okay, there are a lot of you that are a lot more experienced than I am. Okay, you're rescuing sheep. If you don't know what to do, there's this person, and I know that they're lost. I know that they need Jesus, and I don't know what to do. You can talk to God. You can also talk to each other. There are a lot of people here that have been in that situation, can give you advice. You ask another farmer. Farmers are great at telling you what they've done before they worked. Okay, you bring them someplace safe. That's here. This is a place where you can learn about Christ. You, Pastor Norm does a fantastic job of all the time introducing you to the shepherd. Okay, teaching and feeding and making sure that you know about God and giving you the opportunity to meet him and just to have an intimate relationship with Christ. You will hear more than two or three weeks in a row, you will have the opportunity to give your heart to Christ. We need to bring lost sheep to someplace safe. We need to bring them someplace where they can get to know the Good Shepherd. And we need to introduce them to shepherd ourselves. If the opportunity doesn't arise, you're struggling, they don't want to go to that church, they don't want to, they've heard about church people. I'm sorry, all church people don't have great reputations. How often do you hear, but that sheep was really mean to me. I mean, that person was really mean to me. They're supposed to be one of Christ, but they're still really mean. Well, we get that. We introduce them to the shepherd. We let them know that this will make you clean. This will make you perfect. Ignore what happened. Ignore that, that person who maybe wasn't as clean as what they could have been. Sometimes that person's me. The shepherd will wash them perfect. We need to get them to meet the good shepherd, the one that died and gave his life for us. So, take care of the sheep. Be kind. Okay, get him to let them see what Christ did for us. If you don't know what to do, talk to people who are experienced. We're a family here. Okay, bring them here. Give them the opportunity to be taught and be given opportunities here and make sure that we are introducing them to Christ who died for us. That is all that I have for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go home and eat some lunch. Think about farming. Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for being the good shepherd, having the perfect example, the perfect life, being able to wash us white so we can lead others. Please help us as we go through today and through this week, through our lives, just to view everybody as your lost sheep and lead them back to you. Give us the heart that you want us to, to treat everyone as your own, and the strength and the wisdom to lead them to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go and enjoy your day. Thank you.